Well, as you've heard me say already, this is the last Sunday of Lent. And we call this Sunday Palm Sunday, and we spend some time in the service focusing on that scripture that I read for us before the children walked in. But this season of Lent, because of the journey that we have been on as a church, it's not the scripture that we're going to focus on for the sermon this morning. Instead, we're going to finish what we've started and look at one of those phrases that Jesus says from the cross. So if you're just jumping in with us this week, over this season of Lent, we have been looking at all of the different phrases, all of the different words that Jesus says from the cross. And if you compile all of the Gospels together, you'll find seven distinct phrases that Jesus says while he is crucified. So we've been walking that journey with Jesus this season of Lent, jumping from gospel to gospel, looking at what Jesus actually says while he is being crucified. So we'll cover the next to last phrase this week, and then the last phrase will be meditated on and covered during our Good Friday service, which is this Friday at 7 o'clock. So if you've been with us every week, I would really encourage you to consider going and attending that Good Friday service, just so you can really get that full picture of what Jesus communicates to us from the cross. But this week, we are in the Gospel of Luke. The last couple of weeks, we've been in the Gospel of John, and we've been in the Gospel of Luke before in this series early on, and we're back in the Gospel of Luke this week. So I just want to read our passage for us. I think it's going to be a really familiar part of Jesus' story on the cross, and then we'll kind of jump in and see what we should be taking away from it this last Sunday of Lent. So it's in Luke 23, and it's verses 44 through 46. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. And we say together, Thanks be to God. So here we are this week. We're back in the Gospel of Luke. The last couple of weeks we've been in the Gospel of John. And Luke tells us here that darkness has fallen over the whole land. It's, it's almost like the earth itself is, is lamenting what is happening to Jesus here. And then we get this really interesting detail, don't we? While the sun's light was failing, the curtain of the temple is torn in two. Which I think begs the question for us, at least at the start, as we're trying to wrap our minds around what all is in this passage of Scripture, what does that mean? What does that mean? The curtain in the temple was torn in two. So similar to what we did last week, I want us to spend just a little bit of time with that phrase and and look at the context of that because it's one aspect of this passage that I think is is really important for us to be able to wrap our minds around and, and just be aware of that's going on while Jesus is being crucified. And then after that, we're going to jump into where I want us to spend most of our time. But first, I really want to make sure y'all know what that means, because I just think it's, I think it's really important. And I think like last week, it's a really important detail for us to be aware of. Why is it that Luke takes us away from that moment with Jesus on the cross and takes us into the temple to make sure that we know 
that that curtain in the temple was torn in two. Last week, we did something similar. If you remember, we talked about that hyssop branch that is used to give Jesus the sour wine when he says he's thirsty. And we learned that that hyssop branch is significant because the night before the Israelites made their exodus out of Egypt, they were told to take a hyssop branch and and take the blood of the lamb and smear it on their doorposts. And that would keep them safe from the final plague. So it tells us as a reader that, that Jesus is the new Passover lamb. Only this time he's freeing us from sin and from death, not just from Pharaoh's captivity. And, and this week we have a curtain being torn in two. And just like the hyssop branch, there's some really important meaning that's going on behind that. But to understand it, we have to just look for just a second at how the Jewish temple would have been organized. And if you're not familiar with that, the, the Jewish temple is, is organized like an onion with, with layers Layers of of holiness that work their way in, different chambers. You have the temple walls on the outside, and then within those walls you have the holy place, which is a place where only priests were allowed to enter. You had to have a certain degree of holiness to gain access to this chamber. And then within that holy place was a place called the Holy of Holies. And in that chamber, only the the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And he was only allowed to go into that chamber once a year. And that once a year always fell on the same day. It was a day called the Day of Atonement. And it was a day when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and offer sacrifices to atone for his sins and for the sins of the people. And it was believed that God's very presence dwelled in that chamber, that inner chamber of the temple, the holy of holies. It's where they kept the Ark of the Covenant. It's where the tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on that God gave Moses inside the Ark of the Covenant. It's where they kept that as well. They believed that God's presence resided in that inner chamber of the temple. There's a curtain that separates the holy of holies from the holy place, the chamber that is one out. And it's that curtain that we learn has been, has been torn while Jesus is on the cross. That thick veil, that thick curtain that wraps itself around the Holy of Holies, that's what's torn in two while Jesus is being crucified. So the barrier that separates that inner chamber from the rest of the world all of a sudden is gone which I think just gives us another way to articulate and to understand what exactly is happening here with Jesus on the cross. There's no longer a barrier between us and God. There's no longer a thick curtain from where we believe the presence of God dwells and where we live our lives. Because of who Jesus is and and what Jesus is doing, nothing is separating us anymore from the love and the mercy of God through Christ. I don't know if you already knew the significance of that, but I just wanted to share that with you, similar to the Passover lamb, because I think it just gives us another perspective to look at what exactly is happening here. Because of who Jesus is, we believe that we can access that love and that mercy and that forgiveness anywhere. There's no longer a curtain that we believe is containing that presence of God to one place. 
And when we realize that, when we, can, when we can see that and just pick up on that little detail in the Scripture, it gives us just one more way to understand how our relationship with God, how our ability to be with God is completely changed and transformed because of what Jesus does on the cross. So that's where I wanted to start this morning. I wanted to make sure all of us knew what exactly that meant and what we were supposed to do with it, but it's not where I want to stay this morning. Instead, I want to move on to what it is that Jesus actually says from the cross in our reading for today. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. That's what Jesus says, isn't it? Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. If you remember all the way back to the first week of our series through these seven words of Jesus, the first words that we looked at were also in the gospel of Luke. And they were a prayer that Jesus prayed over his persecutors, over his oppressors. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And here in our final Sunday of Lent, we're back in the gospel of Luke, And just a few verses later from where we started, Jesus is praying again. That's what this is. That's what these words are that Jesus says here. They're they're a prayer. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And this isn't really surprising if you think about Jesus' life. Because his whole life and his whole ministry was shaped and formed by prayer. There are over 22 references to Jesus praying in the New Testament over the course of his life. He went alone to pray to God and to find rest and solace. He prayed all night before choosing who his disciples would be and who would later be tasked with leading his church. He taught his disciples how to pray, right? Remember, we say that prayer together every morning at the end of our communion liturgy. He prays in the garden before he's captured by the Roman and taken to his death. The entire 17th chapter of the Gospel of John is dedicated to Jesus's prayer for his disciples and also for us. Jesus prays consistently throughout his ministry, and the cross is no different. Here again today, we find Jesus praying The last words that Jesus speaks are words of prayer. And I started to look at those words and I began to read commentaries. And what I realized is that this this prayer that Jesus is praying here is a prayer that his mother would have taught him as a child. It was a prayer that, that most Jewish children were taught as they grew up. What Jesus is praying here from the cross, what his last words are, are words that were etched into his heart because this is a prayer that most Jewish households would sing at bedtime as they put their children to sleep. It's it's a line from a prayer that Jesus would have been singing with his parents his whole life. I don't know if you did anything like that as you were growing up or if you do something like that with your children, but it probably would have been most like this prayer, that even if you didn't sing it, you're, you're going to know it, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray, my Lord, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And if I should live for other days, I pray the Lord would guide my ways. 
right? Whether or not you prayed that as a child, you know that prayer, don't you? You at least know the first couple of, of lines. What Jesus is praying is the first century version of that prayer. And we find all of it in Psalm 31. And I, I just want to read the first five verses of that Psalm for you because it's where we find that line. And I just want you to get a taste for what that prayer is like. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Don't let me be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me, for you are a refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. There it is. For you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Isn't that cool? Jesus is singing a prayer that he knows by heart, that he's been singing his whole life, and a prayer that others most likely would have known as well who were at the foot of the cross. But what does it mean? What what, what does that line mean? Into your hands I commit my spirit. What, what does that mean? Why is it that in the Gospel of Luke we get that specific line that Jesus says from that prayer on the cross? I think so often we, we hear that, that prayer, we hear Jesus praying that line, and, and we think of it as a, as a prayer of desperation, as a prayer that Jesus prays when he's at the end of his rope and he doesn't know what else to say, and finally he just says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, much like when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For some reason growing up, I always paired those two lines of Jesus from the cross together. When really after looking at it and spending time with it this week, I don't think that's what this prayer really is that we have from Jesus today. I don't think it's a prayer of desperation. I think it's a prayer of trust. I think it's a prayer of hope. I think it's a prayer of, of faith. Father, into your hands, I, I commend my spirit. Father, hold me. Father, I, I give you my, my life. Father, I am yours. Th- that's what I began to hear in these words from Jesus. And I began to hear it even clearer when I really dug into what it is Jesus is saying here, God, into your hands, I commend my ruah. That's the word that's used here for spirit. It's a Hebrew word, ruah. It's a Hebrew word that's, that's really rich in meaning. It means breath and wind. It's, it's the word that's used at creation when God breathes his breath into us, the breath of life at creation. God, into your hands, I give my, my spirit my breath, my life. God, into your hands I give to you what I know now was first yours. The breath that you gave me, now God, I I give it back to you. And then there's the language of hands, isn't there, in that prayer. Jesus doesn't say, God, I I give you my life. He says, says, Father, Heavenly Father, into your hands, into your hands, I commend my spirit. I couldn't help this week but spend some time reflecting on the hands of parents. 
Because that's really what Jesus is doing here. He's saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The hands of parents are hands that do so much for us, aren't they? They're hands that help us cross the street and navigate parking lots. They're hands that wipe away tears and, and clean scrapes. I remember my dad's hand scratching my back as I fell asleep, trying to calm me if I'd had a bad day at school or if I was nervous for something the next day. There are hands that bathe us when we can't bathe ourselves. Hands that feed us and make sure that we're, that we're nourished. Hands that hold us when we're scared. Hands that turn the pages of bedtime stories. And then, of course, it, it kind of made me think about, think about my hands, too, because my wife Madison and I are in the final days of pregnancy, and soon my hands will be the hands of a parent. So for us so far, that's meant baby-proofing the house, It's meant moving furniture and reorganizing closets and patching holes and painting a nursery. It's meant washing and folding baby clothes with that special detergent that I didn't even know existed before we got pregnant that you have to use with babies and it smells like a baby. We have diapers that are all stacked up because folks have been so generous to us. So it's meant organizing those and trying to figure out, you know, which ones are which and what sizes are what. It's meant putting together a crib and putting together shelving. It's meant really testing the limits of our marriage when we tried to put together a bassinet that somebody gave us. It came flat in a box and you were supposed to push out the mattress part and then put something in to hold the rails up. And oh my gosh, we could not figure it out. Like it was so simple. It was so simple. And the directions were horrible, but there was only three pieces. That was it. And 45 minutes later, we're like at each other's throats, right? Because we just, we cannot figure it out. And finally, Madison was like, I'm just going to look it up on YouTube. And I was like, I was done, right? I was like, whatever. And it turns out we were trying to put it together upside down. We had like pushed it the wrong way. So we flipped it over and pushed it down the other way. And of course it was like, click. And that was it. Jesus commends his spirit into the hands of his father. For some reason, that just, that stuck with me this week. The hands that created him, the hands that have, that have cared for him, the hands that, that he knows have always been there for him and always will be there for him. Maybe now you see what I mean. This prayer that we find from Jesus in his dying moments is a prayer of complete trust. Complete trust. Giving his life, giving his breath over to the person that he knows will always be there to hold him and to take it. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. For some reason, after learning all of that about this prayer, after learning that it's most likely a prayer that Jesus would have been singing his whole life, a prayer that would have been just etched into his heart and into his brain, I pictured, I pictured Jesus praying this prayer really often. I don't think this was a prayer that Jesus died by. I really think this was a prayer that Jesus probably lived by, especially the week leading up to the cross. Like today, the day that we remember in worship today when Jesus came into that holy city riding 
on a donkey, knowing it would be the city where he breathed his last, knowing that the voices shouting Hosanna would soon be shouting crucify. Can't you picture him? Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. Or when he sat at a table with his closest friends, knowing that he would be betrayed. Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. When he prayed in the garden before being taken by the Romans, Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. When he stood before Pilate and Herod, Father, into your hands. When he was, when he was beaten, Father, into your hands. When, when he carried the cross up the hill, Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. For some reason, I just began to picture this prayer being on Jesus' heart when he just didn't know what else to say. Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. And then we find Jesus in his dying moments today on the cross. And what does he say? Father, into your hands. I commend my spirit. Clearly, there's a lot packed into this really simple prayer that we find from Jesus today. There's hope, there's faith, there's trust, there's confidence, there's humility, there's, there's a sense of finality with it. But I think for us, there's, there's one more thing this morning that, that's packed into that that I really, I really don't want us to miss. And it's this, I, I think there's an invitation I think there's an invitation in that prayer that Jesus prays from the cross in his dying moments. Because remember, among, among many things that this prayer was to Jesus, it was a prayer that most likely every single Jew within earshot of Jesus on the cross would have also known by heart. It's a prayer that they too would have grown up singing with their parents. A prayer that would have been etched on their hearts as well. He's praying a prayer from the cross that everybody knew the words to. And because of that, I think in this prayer is also an invitation for us. An invitation for us to complete Jesus' sentence. To finish the psalm for him. To mouth the words with him as he says it on the cross. I think with this moment is a chance for us to pray that same prayer with Jesus. Father, into your hands we commend our spirits. I tried to spend some time this week wondering how we could best prepare for what's next, because that's what the season of Lent is all about, right? It's a season of waiting, but but more than that, it's really a season of, of preparing, desperately trying to prepare our hearts the best that we can for this week that we now have before us that we call Holy Week. For Maundy Thursday, and and for Good Friday, and for Saturday, and then ultimately for for Sunday, for Resurrection Day. And and where I landed this week with with what we can do as a people of faith that, that want to be ready, that want to spend this week the best we can walking this journey with Jesus, is for us to just pray this prayer with him. I mean, that's, that's really where I landed. What, what can we do to prepare our hearts for what is coming, for what this week has in store for us? I think if we boil it down, maybe the simplest thing that we can do is to just join Jesus in this prayer. For us to just simply, every day, pray the prayer that we see Christ praying from the cross, that Christ prayed himself. So, so I think that's what I'll, what I'll leave with you this week. 
Palm Sunday brings with it a little bit of tension, doesn't it? Because we start off the service with great celebration. But by the time we get to this point, we've already fixed our eyes back on the cross. So we know what is before us. And, and as we leave in that tension this, this morning, I think I'm just going to ask you to pray Psalm 31 this week. I'm going to challenge you that this Holy Week leading up to Easter, Monday through Saturday, when you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed at night or both, open up your Bible and either as a family together or just in your own personal quiet time, just pray the words of Psalm 31 and remember what it is that you are praying Father, into your hands, into the hands that made me, I give you my life. I give you my breath. I give you my my being. And my hope for us this Holy Week is that as we pray this together, that we will find that, that the soil of our hearts begin to be tilled this week with the hope that when Easter arrives, we are more ready than we ever have been for the new growth that we'll find on Resurrection Sunday. Let's be a people that pray that prayer together with Christ this week. Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are, what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.